Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer Cahill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for being here for another episode of Regarding Consciousness. I am Jennifer K. Hill, the CEO of OptiMatch, and I am very excited to bring to you today another human being who I consider a conscious connector. He has been featured on many different news outlets, including Forbes, ABC News, Sirius XM, just to name a few. And Charles Bird is a human lead magnet and super connector. I can attest to that because since I've met Charles, he's introduced me to countless people. And he has a deep background in joint ventures, lead flow, and is a frictionless systems expert. He is an entrepreneur, speaker, author, and strategist, and a friend. And I'm so grateful to have you on the show today, Charles, to talk about the consciousness of connection. Jennifer, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I love the context. Let me just share everyone how this kind of came about. So Charles and I met in Croatia earlier this year, and we just hit it off. Sometimes you just vibe with people. And ever since then, I was really blown away by your business model. Much like you, Charles, I love connecting people. It brings me such joy just to weave the threads of connection Though what I really respect and admire about you is how you've monetized it, turned it into a business, and turned it into an incredible system that helps people around the world. So could you perhaps tell us how it was you came to be this extraordinary expert in the world of joint ventures? Sure. As noted, I, I help businesses scale with joint ventures and the, the backstory straight into what I do today is I worked in the Silicon Valley for 15 years, was a director at a billion-dollar software company, left to get a taste of the entrepreneurial freedom I read about in books, started with a low-ticket productivity course, and being new to the online space at that time, didn't yet have a list or connections. So started going to a lot of events and connecting with people online and quickly found my new peer group of entrepreneurs already had my ideal clients in their communities. So in the corporate days, I had friends, but I, I never developed my network actively, where coming into the entrepreneur space, recognizing that my peer group already had my ideal clients and their communities, I did consciously choose to ramp that up. So the reason I'm pointing that out, it wasn't a conscious competency before that. I chose to develop that. And basically started setting up presentations to other people's audiences, delivering a high value training and offering the deeper dive course and started growing my email list quickly, making sales, making a positive impact. So I thought, since this is working, what if I take my IT and systems background and simplify and systematize the entire joint venture process, which I did. And eventually people wondered how I book two to six joint venture promotions per week from my offers to other people's communities. And I was at a mastermind in Aspen and my phone's blowing up with texts and messenger messages and people knocking on the room door going, how do you line so many of these things up? I decided to put together my first high ticket event called Pure JV. And that's the market I've been serving ever since at this point with uh, like a consulting offer. And the steps that we walk folks through 
are number one, creating a unique joint venture strategy for their product and market, helping them identify their most profitable partners, communities, stages, events, shows, how to connect to those partners through warm channels. So leveraging warm networks, no cold outreach at all. My favorite part, how to guide the conversations to land the deals frequently on the first call operationally, how to execute those deals along with turning each one into two or three more. Eight of my clients in the first year added 1.25 to 6 million in additional revenue. Had three clients on stage with Tony Robbins last month. One of my clients is getting booked on Joe Rogan coming up and I'm showing him how to parlay that into warm intros to Lex Friedman and Andrew Huberman. And later next week, kicking off with Dr. Robert Cialdini to help him scale the Cialdini Institute. So it's all based on building great relationships, looking out for people and building long-term relationships that create a lot more value for everyone involved. I love this, Charles. And as I'm a huge fan, we do what Charles calls a referral party about every other month. And I love it because it's systematized. Often my brain is a plethora of referrals I might have for someone. But what I hear our audience kind of thinking, I love to tap into kind of the consciousness of what everyone's thinking that they're listening or watching this interview, is how do you do this without being salesy? Because there's almost a negative connotation. So many of us, we love, we enjoy, we relish connecting to friends, connecting to business colleagues. Yet when you monetize it, in some cultures and in some situations, people might go, ooh, I don't know about that. How do you overcome that when you're coaching your clients? Sure. So for one, a lot of the connections I do aren't monetized, but as if I'm teeing up a really great opportunity for someone and then like my model's not actually commission or, or things like that, it's more coming into a company or business or working with uh, an expert and showing them how to leverage their network and get a lot further to get on the stages they want to get warm intros to their ideal clients. So the model is more a consulting arrangement. But what happens as I'm interacting with their ideal partners and clients anyway, because a lot of us share the same types of ideal clients, it's very satisfying to listen actively listen to what someone else is seeking to accomplish or who their ideal clients are or what their goals are, and then just hand them the exact connections to make that happen, whether that's, again, a client referral or connecting them to someone who books uh, a stage for the right fit kind of audience for them. Um, or if they're like maybe rebranding or doing some other activity where you can say, oh, I've got an expert who does exactly that, would that be helpful for you? So it's uh, the entire model is built on being of service to others. And so it's very satisfying because you're just connecting with folks and hooking them up. Now, at the same time, you're identifying winning outcomes that, that go beyond that, whether that's potentially working together, partnering together, referring folks back and forth, or maybe hiring them. Maybe you need exactly what they have. So it's it's a framework that lets you grow your network very quickly, provide value to all around you, 
Because a lot of people, they may have great relationships and they feel like I want to maintain that and not really mix, let's say, some business in with that. And what they're really doing is limiting the opportunity of both parties. If you have a great idea and a way to work together to make a greater amplified impact, because what you do and what I do strengthens and complements each other, it's a disservice to not bring that up. And so it's reframing uh, how to identify opportunity and how to um, bring it up in a way where everyone sees that value too, and they're very excited to progress with it. Yeah, it's it's such a beautiful business model of you get more when you give. It's It was a chapter of one of my first books. And I remember I built and sold my last company by aligning strategic relationships. I remember people used to talk about competitors. I previously ran a legal recruiting company and people were shocked because I would invite people who were quote unquote competitors to my parties. I would invite them to the same parties where the clients were that they were trying to get business from as well. And people could never really understand that. And I said, you know what? I want to provide the best service possible for everyone. And I know that there's more than enough business to go around out there. And that's how we built the last company and scaled it was strategic alliances. Though another question that I can hear in people's minds, and I know I personally had to learn this by trial and error and quite frankly, survival, which is how we actually came to build our current company, OptiMatch, was understanding how do we align people and develop relationships? So this is a two-part question, Charles. On the one hand, how do you know if it's going to be the right match from a chemistry standpoint? And on the other hand, how do you develop and cultivate healthy, nurtured relationships that would love to receive or give referrals? I think that's an interesting inquiry. Yeah. So as far as the, the right chemistry match, it's funny, I don't think I've thought about it that way, but that's certainly part of the equation. And I happen to, at least in my mind, be pretty good at reading different kinds of people and personalities and that combined with their market and model and who they enjoy spending time with, who they serve at the highest capacity, their ideal clients and so forth. And so it's just either matching like with or matching opposites that can complement. I, I suppose as I hear myself say that, it, it sounds like we're talking about dating, but it's basically where you and I met on an island in Croatia with probably somewhere around 200 high-level, creative, big-minded folks out changing the world. Knowing that you thrive in that kind of community as I meet other people like us like that, I'm like, cool, I know who will vibe with you. And also, if I know what your goals are, what you're seeking to grow and develop, including your SaaS company, I can also align you with the resources, talent, client base, investors that get you further in on your path. So specific ways to provide value. So there's chemistry slash personality type fit. And then there's a uh, resource and outcome uh, fit. And it's simply putting those things together where I think naturally the human brain prioritizes it itself. It's like a probably some type of survival trait. But the trick here is to constantly flip that so that you're looking at what other people are trying to accomplish 
and help be a bridge to facilitate it. It doesn't just have to be with connections. I, I call these value bursts or, or ways to systematically provide value to others, connections being a, my go-to, but also it could be strategic input on, hey, this particular product, if you took it to this other market, it would be worth twice as much. Have you considered that? Or I see you're doing the XYZ process. If you checked out this AI tool, you'd cut that time in half. Like that's those are other ways to provide value. I've I've even talked high level entrepreneurs through how to buy Burning Man tickets and pa pack their family for the trip. There's other ways to provide value. I think of it as you have your professional go-to ways to provide value. And then you have personal ways simply by listening and tapping into that as well. When you're chatting with someone, listen to ask what they're working on that has them excited. Who are their ideal clients? What you know, what's their model? And all the other people you've met at events, at masterminds, people you've been introduced to, your own clients, start going, who in that network fits what they need? And then early in the call, start offering those kind of things up because it's following the Cialdini principles related to when you hook someone up, that they're, they're going to be far more inclined to be thinking positively and seeking ways to uh, support you back. You're not doing it for that reason, but that's the outcome that happens every time. So it, it creates a space where people know you're in it for them. And then by default, they're basically in it for you too. And you can watch out for each other and build a, a long relationship. I'll, I'll follow up with, you asked how to maintain these relationships. And there's this process. I, I was at an event several years ago, chatting with a friend for three hours and we were wrapping up and he said, if I ever come to mind, just ping me. And I remember thinking, what if you're in a presentation or having dinner with your kids or like, it just seems so foreign to me to actually do that. But I was like, I'm going to do that with everybody. Um, so I can be out on my morning run or making breakfast or in between calls. And in fact, Jennifer, on my last call, you came to mind and I brought you up on the call. And I'm like, I'd love to introduce you to my friend, Jennifer. Like when people come to mind, just ping them. And I'll give a brief example. One of my clients who I helped get on stage with Tony Robbins last month, once I pinged him because I got a new camera and I know he's got this crazy elaborate Zoom setup with all these cameras and green screens and controllers and like tech nerd production guy. And basically I, I knew he'd be excited about the camera I bought. So I'm like, dude, I'm out on my morning run. I wanted to tell you I got this new cool camera, full frame, blah, blah, blah. And he's cool about the camera. Hey, I'm doing this big event. Would you like to speak with John Asraf and Roland Frazier and all these other folks? Now, I wasn't bringing that up at all. I was just strengthening our relationship by staying in touch about things we both have interest in. And then you're automatically top of mind and he's got something cooking and it's the first name to pop in because of that. So by by pinging people when they come to mind, they're coming to mind for a reason. Uh, maybe you just talk to one of their friends. Maybe you have a trip coming to their city. 
maybe you got some new thing that reminded you of them. The point is, by maintaining a relationship, by connecting throughout time, then you're not just pinging people when you need something, which is the fastest way to not develop a relationship. Like, if I know you're looking out for me all the time, I'll bend over backwards to support you. Whereas if you hit me up every two years when you need something, I don't want to answer the call. I'll probably not. So it's creating a situation where people are in your corner because you're in their corner systematically. I love that. People are in your corner because you're in their corner. Say that again. I want to make sure I got that. People are in your corner because you're in their corner systematically. You're just always there for them and thinking of them and sending things to them that are relevant to them and their goals. You know what? It's funny. If you think of it, it's almost there are these communities. Somebody might have a Facebook group or a Slack group or a Telegram group or whatever it might be, right? And people, you have community managers. That's what they're doing. They might share relevant news in the industry. They might share this. And I feel like that's what you're suggesting to do. But at the global level with everybody you meet, you just keep it front of mind. And I remember when I was in the recruiting world, remembering little things that people love, whether it's a camera. I remember everybody in my office used to make fun of me because they would see these strange notes I would put in this database that we used to have in the recruiting world. And I remember I had one woman I put likes mermaids. And it's like such an arbitrary thing, right? Like who cares that she likes mermaids? But it was a context. And if I ever brought that up, she really appreciated. We all have these little idiosyncrasies and things that matter to us. And in fact, there was a beautiful thought leader group I was a part of about six, seven years ago in Monterey, California. And I remember this gentleman is brilliant, larger than life, up there facilitating this interaction. And he asked the simplest question, which you highlighted at the beginning of this show, Charles. He said, I want you to turn to your partner and ask them, what matters to you? And listen, I still use that technique very often. In fact, I think you might've been at my talk when we were doing this in Baby Backwater and I brought that up. And it is so powerful when you have somebody else listen to what matters to you. And then to have somebody remember, whether it's a camera, a favorite travel, the fact that you love to scuba dive or horseback ride, so often we're not really present with, with other people. We have our agendas, we have something we want to say, and there's that lack of alignment between us and another person. And yet when we listen deeply at all times, whether or not we pose the question to what matters to you, it's from that place that I feel like you can really cultivate substantial relationships. Yeah, I agree. Personally, professionally, of course, blending the two. And you, you just feel good because throughout the day, you're helping everyone you interact with. You're also matching them up with some of those people. Perhaps your product or service could take to a whole new level. So as you're serving them, you're feeling out where the best opportunities are. That could be maybe inviting them to a sales call, maybe creating a referral partnership with them, maybe lining up a joint venture where they're promoting you or you're promoting them. And it's just this symbiotic way of developing relationships. You can do this at a, a micro level, just at, a, at an event. So let's say you're at an event 
you're chatting with someone on a 10 minute break, you hear what they do. And then later you're chatting with someone else and they they reference the need for what the other person you just talked to does. You can be like, Hey, you guys need to meet. I, I do that. I do that all the time. I was at, um, the Founders Board Mastermind with Roland Fraser and Ryan Dice two weeks ago, give or take. And I'm at a table and hear what one guy does, a SA HubSpot specialist. And then the next table I was at later, this woman's we're trying to get our HubSpot developed. I'm like, I know who you need to meet. And I text them right then. And they're like, they met up and they're working on some stuff together. So it's, that's the kind of awareness and then the follow through that makes an enormous difference because think how many people actually do that. Not a lot. Some may love the idea and intend to. Who's actually following through and doing that? That's who stands out. That's who builds a ton of rapport with people because you're providing value first and you follow through with it. It's so true. I'm reminded of the first time I met Deepak Chopra. We were on a panel together that I was moderating and it was just synchronistic that we became friends. I just started asking he and my old college professor, Don Hoffman, who I was co-moderating the panel with, a little bit about what mattered to them. And we started deep diving into the topic of consciousness. And by the end of it, Deepak said, here's my number. Give me a call. Let me know when you're in New York. And then we just became friends. And I remember another guy many years ago, over a decade ago, I was in the first class I'd ever done on better understanding human connection. And there was a gentleman there who was at the time considered, if you Googled him, the most well-networked guy in the world. So he's on the stage speaking at this event. And while he was on the stage, he happened to mention, oh, the next thing we're doing with my company is expanding into Latin America. And that's what I'm looking forward to. And we need a, a biz dev person for that. So my little radar goes up and goes, ding, just like yours, Charles. And I, after the call, I, or after the speaking engagement, I waited in line to speak with him. And I said, oh, I really loved what you shared. And I highlighted some of the things that I appreciated. And I said, by the way, you mentioned you might need a BD person in Latin America. But I have somebody really wonderful. Would you like me to connect you? And he calls his assistant over. He's get a picture of me with this lady. I want to be sure I know who she is because she has a valuable connection. And I think it is such a beautiful way to think of things is like, how can we be of service to one another? How can you, even when we're on a sales call, I thought that was an interesting thing that you touched on there, Charles. Sometimes people think, oh, a sales call, that's taking. Yet when you have a service or product that can really transform somebody's life, you're actually providing value to them by sharing it. I, I was just listening to a webinar shortly before this on a woman who was talking about the consciousness of money and she was tying it into the five love languages. And I really loved some of the elements that she shared. And she said, if your love language is acts of service, then you need to buy yourself services <laughs> and make your life easier. And I was like, oh, that totally resonates. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, this The sales process for the right kind of person is insanely valuable to them. Like, one of my clients, Reagan Archibald, who's a peptides expert and has these deep health programs. We were both speaking at the same event November of last year, 11 months ago. And basically, he ended up hiring me about four months later. And his whole thing is making people healthier, having like more energy, better lives because they're sharper, their energy's better. And so as far as his joint venture strategy, 
is pairing him up with high-level entrepreneur groups who are all about performance in their business and, and performance for themselves. So tying health in is a perfect fit because, of course, if you're sleeping and you're working out and you're doing the right things, you feel better and you accomplish more. And he's added well over a million dollars so far just in the nine months since we started. And he's had me come present to his group of doctors that he consults twice now because when you provide value to people and you deliver results, they want to share that. So it would have been a disservice to not invite Reagan into my process for helping him scale what he's doing. So never feel shy about the sales process when you're amplifying what they will be able to accomplish, not to mention growing their impact and revenue. So it's a beautiful thing. Of course, you're just matching that up with people that you can actually do that for, but that's that, that it, it's even more satisfying. Now it's amplified dramatically more. Yeah, I just had an experience like that the other day. One of my dear friends who's been on the show before, Dr. Mark Golston, uh, we're actually going to have him on again soon. That's a good reminder. And uh, he wanted to see a demo of our product, OptiMatch. So we're on a call three or four weeks ago, and he is like a lifesaver. He's a coach. He's a mentor. He's a famous psychiatrist. I don't know if I've introduced you to him, but he's just an extraordinary human being. And you guys should connect because he's a master connector like you. And so Mark was keen to learn about our product. He's one of our medical advisors and hadn't yet taken the matching quiz. So we're on a call a couple of Fridays ago and he's going through and he's answering our matching questions. And it was amazing, Charles, because you couldn't make this up. We have 700 or so people in our database. Mark answers the final question and poof, his results pull up. I am his number three match out of 700 people in the database. And I was so nervous to have him answer it, right? And I share this because... Mark has just been instrumental that he loved the product so much. It's, Jen, you can change the world with this. I'm going to recommend this to all of Marshall Goldsmith's 100 coaches. And so every day he's sending me these incredible referrals. And one guy we were on with earlier this week used to work at Apple. And he says, Jen, what you created is better than what Apple had on aligning <laughs> motivating factors. But this would have never happened if it hadn't been for Mark's generosity of spirit and just seeing that he believed in it and just asking to support and, hey, can I introduce you? And that's what you and Mark and so many people out there, Charles, do so well. It's such a gift. It's a gift that no amount of money could ever pay back when you vouch for another person and you believe and you support in a product or a service. Really, I, I'm just present to it right now. And I just thank you, Charles, for all the referrals you've given me and so many people. Thank you for the work that you do in the world to make us all to allow us all to be more aligned and connected. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. That's uh, you, and and you're certainly wired the, the same way. And I'll, I'll just loop back briefly. This was a, a conscious decision to ramp this skill set up. My point is it's a learned, it's yeah. a learnable skill. And so when you're handed a framework for exactly how to go about it, which we've been sharing several tangible techniques right on this call, and you have an intent process to go with it, the, the network and opportunity f within that network grows very fast. It's, it's a beautiful and satisfying journey that you're helping others regularly, people are helping you regularly, and all of us thrive because of that. Beautiful, my friend. Well, Charles, where can people connect with you if they want to find out about your services, do a referral party with you, where would they connect? 
Sure. Just pop over to charlesbird.com, B-Y-R-D, and that has an overview of some of the things I'm up to. And there's a link to, to book a conversation there if appropriate. And yeah, head to charlesbird.com. Thank you, Charles. And thank you to each of you out there listening. As somebody myself who really struggled with human connection, it was the hardest thing in the world. I couldn't connect with anybody myself, let alone connect to other people until I spent decades studying this myself. Charles is right. Connection is a conscious decision that we can all choose to cultivate and to expand upon the skill that we have innately, though sometimes it does take a little bit of that soft nurturing touch in the garden. I was on a panel yesterday uh, on mental health for founders and well-being, and one of the psychologists on the panel said so brilliantly, he said, we look at people wrong. We think that people are all the same. But in reality, people are a beautiful garden. You might have a sunflower over here who needs a little bit more water or sunshine or a rose over here or orchid that needs more shade. And he said, if you can treat every person as they're part of a beautiful flower or plant in your garden and nurture them in the way that you need, then your garden will flourish. So that is my wish for every single one of us. I am Jennifer K. Hill, and it is such a pleasure to have you here with us. Thank you, Charles. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Regarding Consciousness with Jennifer K. Hill. We would love it if you would take a moment and write a review for us or rate us on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you'd like to stay in touch and find out about upcoming events with some of the amazing guests we've had on the show, like Deepak Chopra and other world thought leaders, feel free to join my email list at metabizics, M-E-T-A-B-I-Z-I-C-S dot com. Again, that's metabizics.com. And you can go ahead and join our email list there. Thanks so much. And we look forward to having you join us next week.